I knew right away that I did not want to practice law. You know, you learn your purpose, you learn what you do want to do, what you don't want to do. And I learned that pretty quickly. It just wasn't a fit. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, I've always wanted to be in business. What is the business that I love more than anything? And that was always sports. All right, here we go. First episode of the Attorney Lounge. Uh, and I have my guest today is Jamie Boggs, the Vice President of Athletics at Grand Canyon University. Thank you, Jamie, for being here. Thank you for having me. So to kick things off, the idea for this, Jamie, I'm calling it the Attorney Lounge, and that's based off of Snell and Wilmer when I started there and we had an Attorney Lounge. And the cool thing there was you could stop by the Attorney Lounge whenever you wanted. You could meet people that you wouldn't normally run into and you could get a little advice. You could talk to them about kind of anything in your life. And, and so the idea here is is really to talk to attorneys, get to know them a little bit better, maybe pick your brain in terms of advice for people that are interested in law, for you people that are interested in sports, and just talk about whatever. So if I veer off of that topic or any of those topics, or feel free to slap me back into place. Just like old times, right, Brian? <laughs> yes, exactly. That would it would make me feel right back at home again. Really, what I want to do is focus on you and your career and the very beginning, where you grew up and the path that you navigated to get to the place that you're at today. Well, I grew up in Phoenix and our first home was about three miles from Grand Canyon University. Uh, so it's exciting to be back here. I am the proud daughter of two uh, parents that immigrated here from Thailand with about $500 in their pocket and two suitcases. So i uh, really blessed to learn determination, resilience, and honestly, gratitude from uh, my parents just because of their situation. My mom raised us while my dad was doing his residency. So of course, he was never home. So she raised three kids who, you know, pretty much on her own. And it's from them that I think I have a lot of determination, resilience that you really need to work in the athletics industry. So, yeah, but it's it's a privilege to be back here in Phoenix, to be not that far away from GCU and to really be able to serve this community that we originally grew up. We talked about this before and you refer to yourself as a, I don't know how you want to say it, but the redheaded stepchild or something like that. But obviously your parents are very impressive. I've met them before, love them, but you have some impressive siblings as well. I do. I'm, I'm the failed attorney. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. My father was doing his residency for brains. He's a neurosurgeon, was a neurosurgeon, a retired neurosurgeon. And my sister became a lowest surgeon. So she primarily works to for patients with skin cancer and removing skin cancer. And my brother became a really a lay term, a, a rocket scientist, I guess is what you would call it. <laughs> he builds, he operates, designs, builds a, a Mars rovers for NASA. So I'm the only non-science one. But, you know, I think there's a purpose for everyone. And I I went. It, it's turned out you, it, you've done very well. It's been a, <laughs> but, I, but I just had to get that in there because as successful as you've been, it's always interesting when you bring up your siblings. Learn this. I can't when I go home and talk about how challenging the athletics industry is. I it, it doesn't it, it doesn't really resonate with my family because they'll always say, well, it's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. And. It's literal in our family. That's literally what they do. <laughs> How did you navigate into the law? I know you went, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I'll just mention that you went to USD, University of San Diego, right, for undergrad. How did you end up navigating into law and then ultimately sports? Well, my parents are pretty traditional Asian culture parents. So they told me that, one, obviously I was going to go to grad school beyond just undergrad. I majored in psychology and minored in women's studies when I was at USD. And so they said, you can do whatever you want, but it either needs to be medical school, law school, or you need to get your PhD. So I mm -hmm. had three options. Law school was the shortest. They told me I was good at arguing. So I decided to pick law school. I've experienced that firsthand. So yes, yeah. I know. Uh, but I actually wanted to go to business school because that's where my natural tendency is. I really like management. I have a business kind of mind and they really wrote for them. It was, those are my options. So I didn't end up going to business school, but I'm really glad that I chose this path and they directed me in this direction because law school wasn't where my natural tendency was, the issue spotting and the communication and 
that it, it really wasn't where I was naturally good at, but business kind of was natural for me. So I'm glad I had this extra skill set. And I would have never predicted or pre- that going to law school is probably one of my, the most beneficial things I could do for the direction that college athletics is going in. It's constantly risk yeah. issue spotting and things like that. Yeah. And I want to get into that a little bit. So like, but I'm curious too, like on sticking was how you ended up in this path in the first place. I mean, did you know going into law school that you wanted to be in, in sports or where did the idea of having a career in sports come up on your path? So the other great thing about law school is within my first semester, it, I knew right away that I was not, did not want to practice law. <laughs> so you learn your purpose, but you learn what you do want to do, what you don't want to do. And I learned that pretty quickly. It just wasn't a fit. And so I was, I was thinking to myself, okay, I've always wanted to be in business. What is the business that I love more than anything? And that was always been sports. I grew up, if you grew up in Phoenix, you were a diehard Phoenix Suns fan. Everyone was a Suns fan. So I grew up watching the Suns when I couldn't watch during the off season, when I couldn't watch um, basketball. I would actually watch the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs because back then we didn't have the Diamondbacks. So I would just find yeah. watch the Braves. And then between that time, I would start watching the, I started watching the Arizona Cardinals. So I just became a diehard sports fan growing up in Phoenix. So I decided at that point, okay, I don't want to practice law. It's not a fit for me. The, the business that I want that I've always loved is sports. So it was really at that, I think it was the, honestly the first semester of law school that I decided I was, I was going to pursue sports. And mm-hmm. fortunately in Arizona, there's a lot of sports opportunities. And, I, and being in Tucson, I went to U of A for law school. I knew we had spring training there. So I said, you know what? I'm going to send out a ton of resumes and see if something comes back. And so that's where I got my first start. I sent something out. Chicago White Sox said, hey, we need some help during spring training. So I actually worked in sports communications. I did stats. I did stats for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were a baseball fan. And then maybe a, an interesting time to mention, too, that your husband is a very good baseball player as well. Your first job was in baseball, as you mentioned, in spring training. But did you also start with the White Sox? I did. That- not to mention that my favorite ever general counsel also played baseball in college. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I think, yeah, <laughs> not at the level of Matthew, but, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. He was a really good baseball player. He's um, all American at, at Georgia Tech. He, and he was voted captain of his team twice on a team that included Mark Teixeira. And they went to the college world series as a, as a, as a baseball program that year. So yeah, he's a really good baseball player, still named one of their all-time greats, but I actually love the business of baseball. Sport that I love has always been basketball. So I have a, yeah. a good thing here. I've got I've got both at GC. We have an incredible baseball team, and our basketball team two tournaments in the last three years really projected to be really good this year. Yeah, so excited about both programs. So I got the best of both worlds here. The baseball team at GCU has also made the national tournament twice now. Right, I mean, once we made we qualified. Got the automatic bid and one one year an at large bid. That's right. And you're the sport administrator for both baseball and men's basketball, correct? I am. Um, they're all of our sports. We try to give as much support too. So, I mean, I, I work closely with all of them, uh, but I direct and oversee from the business side. You know, those those are the those are two of our sports that we really have to um we do have to invest in because there's a lot of return for the university by doing that. Uh, but all of our sports, of course, I, I um. Uh, spend a lot of time with, and we have direct um, supervisors over each sport. And the main thing is we want every sport. It's almost like everyone, every sport has a GM. (laughs) So, so, but yes, I work directly with men's basketball and baseball. And we, we're, we're in a good trajectory, not where we want to be. We, we've, we have a foundation of where we want to be. And now it's moving up from there. You're the, you're the president. (laughs) No, I do. And, and I, (laughs) I think, I don't want to veer too off, too far off yet. I I want to get into Grand Canyon because there's, I mean, as as close as me and you are to the school, there's probably a lot of people that don't know a lot about Grand Canyon. But before I get there, I want to go back again because I'm hoping that like students at Grand Canyon or other students, anyone interested in sports might be listening to this. And I like that sort of inflection point of learning a little bit about your interest in sports and that's determining that's what you wanted to do and then how you got your foot in the door because there's so many people that want to be in sports but they don't know how to get there. And so tell me a little bit more, I guess, about how you got your foot in the door and, and 
you, you said the White Sox were having spring training in Tucson. What dots got connected there that led to you working with them? You know, the, you, it really, again, was just being aggressive, being okay with getting a lot of rejections and just finding the opportunity. And the main thing with working in sports is you have to be willing to do anything and you have to be willing to go anywhere because there are people that will move across the country and, and do a job for free just for the opportunity to work in sports. So it was just the opportunity was available and just really lucky um, that I was there in Tucson and able to get these opportunities with spring training and they needed some help. And it was, it was, I made it easy for them. That's the other thing. It's, it's working in sports. It's nonstop. It's 24 hours a day. It's, it's weekends. There's no break. So making it easier for them by saying, Hey, I'm here if you need me <laughs> and they don't have to post a job. They don't have to go all through the HR process. So that was my first step. Once you get that first, um, piece of experience on your resume, it does make it a lot easier. So they hired me again the following year. And then after that, I actually finished, I actually took a semester off of law school so that I could take an internship with the Orlando Magic. And so I took a semester off, got into the same field, corporate sponsorship and spent some time there. And by that point, I had three kind of separate years of, of experience in different areas. I had sports information and communications, then I had corporate sponsorship on my resume. So then adding in, finishing law school and then getting, passing the bar. Now I've got all this experience over three years and I have the education background. In college sports especially, they do like to see a, a post-grad, uh, postgraduate degree. You pretty much uh, are not a, a strong candidate if you don't have that. So I, I appreciate that I, did, I went through all of that. But that, but that, by that time, when I started applying for jobs, and again, I don't, I didn't just look for jobs that were open. I sent everything out to every area, every division, whether it's major leagues or minor leagues, NBA or independent ball, whatever was available, I just sent it out. And so I was very fortunate after graduating from finishing law school that I had a few opportunities, one to work with the Las Vegas 51s. I believe they're the Dodgers affiliate. I don't know if they still are. And then also yeah, I think so. an opportunity to work at a sports agency. And I did meet the sports agency. I met going to a sports lawyers association meeting that was held in Phoenix at the time. So that's the other thing is constant relationship building and networking. I mean, it's just nonstop in, in the sports industry. So I got offered from both and ended up taking the position with the, with the sports agency. So again, once you find that first piece, it's hard to get that first, that first job. And then after that, yeah. I'm a little bit easier. Yeah. And I think it's true probably in any industry, but it's probably more heightened in sports too. the relationships and the networking and all of that and the importance of something like that and starting out just interning and being being willing to, like you say, do whatever, because the best thing you can do at that, you, you don't have a lot of overhead <laughs> at that point in your right. life. So you can take those chances, work work for free, get the experience, and and really what you're getting paid paid in is is the relationships you're building with people and the resume that you're building at that time, and and so it's interesting to me because there's so many so many people that want to be in sports, but you know how do you get your foot in the door? And so it's interesting to hear that. Did you? So your first paid job in sports, you graduate law school. Where do, where do you go after that? So I went directly to the sport, a sports agency in DC. I did a lot of marketing contracts with the Washington Redskins players and also represented several baseball players. And I was there for not that long. I, I learned pretty quickly that that is not where I wanted to be. That keeping the sport in the sports agency world is a little bit, a little bit babysitting that happens. So it wasn't for me. So I stayed there about, about 10 months and I started to realize that it wasn't what I wanted to do. So. I thought I would try college athletics. And after that kind of short period, I started looking at opportunities in college athletics. There was an internship position open at Duke. So I went full-time director of sports management and said, you know what, I, th I think I need to start over. I need to reset because this isn't what I like. And so, but I did, I did the research though. I saw that with Duke, they were trying to hire a compliance person, but they didn't really have a department. So I, I figured there'd be some opportunity to grow there. So I went ahead and applied for that internship position, got hired, and really started building out the compliance department at Duke. And so what, Jamie, just real quick, so what what year was this? About how old were you? What year was it? 
I'm not, I guess I shouldn't put you on the spot and make you reveal your age, but I'm just curious where this all. So let's see. I finished law school at the age of 22. So I stayed at the sports age for at 22, so 23. You, wait, you graduated law school at 22? I did. I finished. Yes, I finished. How did you? Well, yeah, I actually finished high school at 16. So that's why I got to start early. And it is not by anything other than the fact that I did not like school. I wanted to get to work. And so I just zipped hey, up. I didn't like school either, but I was not graduating at 16, no matter how hard I tried. So I yeah. appreciate you trying to, you know, <laughs> stop play that. That's impressive that, as well. Yeah, no, I finished pretty quickly. And I actually finished law school in two and a half years. So that was there. So I had to take a semester and, off. Wait, so. you took a semester off and you still finished in two and a half years? Well, I, I finished because I took a semester off. So I wanted to get done. I didn't want to extend. So I ended up like loading up on summer classes because I knew I wasn't going to be a, a practice law. So I didn't do the, the work at law firms over the summer like everyone else. Jeez. I was law firms. <laughs> so I said, I'll float up and got it done in two and a half years. I took a semester off, oh, you know, brown right. magic, but. Yeah, that's how much when you when you dislike school that much. You no, try to I appreciate you saying that. There's a lot of people that don't like school that can't finish that quickly. So it's very impressive. So what year did you join Duke? Yeah. It was in, I think 2003 that I started at Duke. Okay. Yeah. And so you go there and yeah, tell me about your time at uh, at Duke. It, it was great. There's not many people who can say that their first experience at a college athletics program is with Duke University. And if you love basketball the way I do, to, to work with the Duke University basketball program, to work directly with Coach K. And he hired me. I, I want to be grateful because they did hire me with, with no experience in college athletics. They really just hired me based on fit and, and potential ability. And I stayed there for seven years. Each year I was promoted, went from intern, then they hired me full time became a director, became an assistant athletic director, ended up on athletic director and ended up on senior staff. And I was, I had a, a boss, Chris Kennedy at the time, who his style was, was great for me to learn. He was very hands-on. He's also a professor at Duke. So, so I was able to learn, but he was just kind of like, you learn your, you learn by doing and by being confident. Long hours. I mean, when you're working and, and new to it, it was long hours. I remember taking calls at 1 a.m. from football coaches because they were out recruiting on the West Coast at whatever, 10 p.m. And you got to be available on the West East Coast on 1 a.m. at 1 a.m. So it was really long hours. I mean, it's definitely not a nine to five job, but I really enjoyed it. Learned a lot, grew a lot from there and had the opportunity to learn some leadership things from Coach Pei. And I will always um, remember, love a huge lesson for him that I didn't appreciate as much as the time at the time that I do now. But I was a very young, kind of um, new compliance person you think you're doing the right thing. You think you know what's what what you're supposed to be doing. And there was a time when we had an issue, and I thought I was handling it the right way. And I, I think I was in my mid twenties, and he pulled me aside and he said, "He said you need to understand that if anything happens to the Duke basketball program, it impacts the entire university. It's just not about sports. It's about the entire university. And if he could have." hold a power play and said, I'm, I'm going to make sure you get fired. Cause I made a mistake. I, I honestly did. I made a mistake and he didn't, he pulled me aside and explained the bigger picture to me. Um, so just his leadership, I really, I appreciate now even more now than I did back then. And when I left Duke, he was the first person to call me and thank me for everything that I had done. And again, I, I say I, but I had a lot of support that we did. So just a really okay. fortunate, really thankful for the time I had at Duke. It's, it's amazing. I mean, in the course of your career, you think of these people that you come across and the, 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 the incidents that could occur that could derail your career or throw you off. But you, you, you can't predict those paths in advance. You can set your course, but then you never know where the, where the dots are going to get connected and, and having someone a mentor, someone in, in, in your career early that helps take an interest in you and is willing to work with you can make all the difference in the world. And that's pretty amazing that someone of his stature would take an interest and respond in that way, because we all make mistakes mm -hmm. and you can 
learn from them. But but the way that people respond when you do that, I think, can set set your career in a, in, in a positive direction because then obviously you probably have examples of times where people now you, you obviously have a large department you you have a ton of responsibility as the athletic director you you now can respond to people in on your team in the same way and, and help them in the same way that you got helped earlier in your career mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, I think about that all the time and it, it's helped me you know, be, I, I, I am a type A personality I know you know that um, but it has helped me really just be more empathetic and, and really try to, from a leadership standpoint, try to think of how can I help this person get better? It's not about, I want it done this way, or I need to, you need to do this because of anything other than how is this going to help you grow? So it, it's those moments of leadership that have really impacted me. Absolutely. So, okay. So now Duke, you go from there and then you move to Georgia State. So what what was the impetus for that change? And what was that like there? So the impetus was I decided I, I got married to my husband. I met, so I met Matthew. He was an assistant coach at Duke and we got married there. And then we were just about to start a family. And I said, we can't, we can't do this. Working in sports for both of us is it's, it's too much. We won't be able to raise him. So I actually wanted to be a stay at home mom. It was really important. The family was really important to me. And so I actually just decided I was going to, stay at home and raise my child. So I decided I was going to leave Duke. At the same time, my husband was being recruited to work at another position in his hometown with a church company. And so we said, okay, you know what, with this family situation, let's, let's do it. So we both moved to Dalton, Georgia, the carpet capital of the world. And I think, I think at some point we realized it just wasn't God's plan for us. It it just wasn't. And I got a call from Georgia State. Let's see, maybe it after about 10 months or so, something like that. And it was after my son was born. And they said, hey, we have this senior associate position open. Are you interested? I was actually fine and happy and just thrilled to be a stay-at-home mom. But we decided, hey, let's just let's just give it a shot and just see what happens. So I went down and interviewed. And they, they offered me that same day. We had to make a decision. And we said, you know what? I think this is the way God is guiding us. So let's go for it. So we moved to Georgia State. And I was there to help them transition from FCS to FBS. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we, were, we successfully completed that. <laughs> and, and we had our second child while we were there. Real quick, I want to recognize our sponsor, Array. Array handles all the details of litigation so that you can focus on winning your case. They take care of forensic collection, e-discovery, managed review, record retrieval, court reporting, legal staffing and recruiting, trial support, you name it. I'm the general counsel at Array, so I may be a little bit biased, but I was also a client before I started working there too. I've used them on various matters, and they've always delivered. If you're involved in a lawsuit, make Array your first call, and they'll help you get organized right from the beginning. You can reach out to me or visit trustarray.com. Now back to the pod. I, I did not realize that you had taken those 10 months off and that it wasn't a seamless transition into Georgia State. I mean, again, it's amazing how you can't you can't you can't write these scripts in no. advance. So that that's amazing. Okay, so four years at Georgia State, you transitioned them from FCS to BCS. Did I say that right? FCS and BCS? I can't remember. FCS. Okay, so then wh- wh- how do you, and Matthew is from there, so you get a call. How did this all come about with Grand Canyon then? So while I, so the other piece of it, while I was at, at Georgia State, my husband was still working in, in Dalton, Georgia, which is an hour and a half away, but he was also getting his ex- executive MBA at the same time. With a newborn and a two-year-old. So those were some, some challenging times. But at some point, and then he moved into, he was going to move into consulting. So at some point, there was, I was hired by a wonderful athletic director named Cheryl Levick. At the time, she was one of only like five female FBS athletic directors in the country. So really learned a lot from her for management and preparation. So at some point, there was an, a change in athletic directors and yeah, that's always just it, changing athletic directors is just, it's tough. It's tough. And, and it was a new person, Charlie Cop, who is actually he and I are, are 
great colleagues and get, and get along and everything, but it's still different. So around that same time, I saw that there was a position at Grand Canyon University open and I had some questions about it and ended up, ended up with the search firm who was hiring for the, for the job. And anyways, that's how we got connected. So long story short, a lot of interview things happened and I did end up at Grand Canyon University with the help of Bob Bodine, who is a, a, a good friend and an amazing person. And, and it, it's, it's been a great fit, but again, I, I helped Georgia State transition from FCS to FBS. At the time, GC was transitioning from D2 to D1. And that really became my niche is helping life transitioning schools and building. And so, uh, it was my hometown. Um, I got a call about the job the same day that my husband got a call with an offer for a consulting job. <laughs> where he could fly out of Phoenix. I mean, literally the same day. And so it was definitely a God thing for us. So I ended up coming here as the deputy athletic director. And 2015, right? This is 2015. We were just in the, I think the second year of the transition. I worked closely with the chair of the transition committee. Hmm. Who was that? Yeah. Our wonderful general counsel. We worked really closely together. And it was an incredible experience. The culture there is so strong, here is so strong. And we were able to really seamlessly move to the transition together. But back to your question. So it really, it really was not our plan whatsoever to come back here or, or anything. It just was an opportunity that was available that I just asked about and it became a really good fit and it was just the right thing. So. Yeah. And when, and, and when you, hit the campus at Grand Canyon, you were an instant hit across campus. I tend I tend to remember the first time we met, it was sort of like you grabbed me and said, we're going to be friends or something like that. It was like, I don't know, like you just had that kind of personality. So it was awesome. When you got there, I mean, you fit in seamlessly. You've had tremendous success at Grand Canyon University. And I mean, you are the best person for this job. but it was not, it wasn't fully built out, I guess, at that time. Like you said, we were in the second year of transitioning to Division One, and still we had those steps to go through and you're moving your family. And so that had to be a little bit of a stressful period, even though it was probably exciting at the same time. It, it was very stressful having, again, two kids, having them adjust to, to, to school, they were starting school. The jump from Division Two to Division One. And it's not just a jump for the athletics department. When you transition like that, it's a membership transition for the entire university. So there's all these things around campus that have to happen um, for any transition. And it was it was stressful. But what was so great is that the people around campus, just because the culture at GCU is so collaborative, made it so seamless. So that took a lot of stress off of me. I was actually prepared for there to be fights because that's what you, that's how college, honestly, higher ed is. It's a little bit siloed. Everyone's worried about money and their own area and budget and resources. And so there's constant butting of heads. And I understand why it's stressful. You don't, you don't want to, people are overworked and you don't want to add more to their plea. But the first time I met with kind of two of the people that really needed to be involved in, in the transition, it was Sarah Boder, our executive VP for operations, and then Jennifer Leck who currently are vice provosts and over the academic area. When I told them what some of the requirements are, I had like my violation reports ready. So I was ready for them to fight and argue. And all they said was, okay, just let us know when this needs to be done. <laughs> yep. And so yeah. they made those seamless. And as much as I appreciate you saying that I was well-liked, it's it really isn't me. It's the people around campus are amazing. I mean, how can you not like and get along the people around this campus? I mean, you were there. I mean, I'll say this, and I will not take a job if I, if I do not, if I don't like the legal counsel. Like general counsel, one of the most important jobs for an athletic director. And you just made it so, you were so helpful, never a fight. It was always solution oriented. You, I think a lot, you understood sports. I think maybe because you played sports, but that position, just the support for the university is critical for the success of an athletics department. General counsel, any athletic director in the country will tell you that's either their best friend or their biggest adversary on the campus. And fortunately for us, you were a, a good friend to athletics. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it, it really, so it really is a team effort at Grand Canyon. And so I think 
maybe two to just set the stage with Grand Canyon. So obviously we know it very well, but for people that don't, do you want to give maybe just a, a high level overview of kind of Grand Canyon University? Yeah, one of the most amazing universities, a great story. But 75, we're going to be approaching 75 years old, I think in, in the spring. And it was a Grand Canyon College at the time. And now there's a time, I think of the early 2000s, where the university was really struggling. The college was really struggling, went down to, I think, 900 in enrollment. And that's when President Mueller and his incredible and talented team came in. And in less than 10 years, the university went from 900 students to like 20,000 students. And I think this year we're, we're getting up to 26,000 students. But the growth of a university at a time when enrollment is going the other way across the country is really impressive. So the university invested, has invested a billion dollars in, in campus and in infrastructure, classrooms, labs, all the things that you need for a long-term sustainable university. And so really just a short period of time. In, a, in some ways, it's the same universities that it's that warm Christian open Christian welcoming feel, but at a larger scale and with great community. So we started transitioning in 2013 from D2 to D1. The university has had some good success as a division two. And even when they were NAI, when we were NAI, we've had good success with our athletic programs and have really done with, because we have so much support from where we are, division one program now, we're at 57 championships in the last 10 years or so. And only five of those of which we have been eligible for postseason. So really growing as a university, continuing to grow. The interest in this university continues to be really strong. And that's benefiting us as an athletics program. Yeah. And 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 so the university overall, huge success story. Incredible programs, incredible students, and then the athletics program. So that is I would say very unique in higher ed from my perspective. Maybe you would disagree, but, you know, the integration of athletics into the student body, the importance of that to President Mueller, explain how you, you have, remind me how many different sports at Grand Canyon University and how many people in your department, Mm -hmm. coaches, students, student athletes, how many people are under your umbrella? This is a big operation. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's big. We have about 120 staff members in athletics. We have 21 sports. I think we have 16 head coaches. It is a big operation. And and I get this question a lot. I do not take summers off. Summers are <laughs> summers are actually one of our busiest times. Yeah, it is. It's literally a a mini business. But you know, we're in the student athlete business, so we don't look at bottom line. We look at student. Our bottom line is student experience. So yes, but we are operating. It's it's a big operation. Our areas vary from academics to compliance to sports medicine, mental performance to marketing, sports communications. It's just a big operation. And it really is like running a uh, business. Um, but where we're, I think, a lot different than other universities, um, to your point, is everything is really integrated. And a lot of our success is because of what we have outside of athletics. And I'll just give an example. We, 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 there's four hours a day max that you can spend with your, with, with practice. That's just an ancillary rule. So there's 20 hours a day you're spending outside of athletics. Transfer portal has really changed uh, the landscape pretty significantly in college athletics. And our student athletes, they want to be here. And it's the community. If you ask them, it's the community. It's just the beautiful campus. It's just the whole, it's the entire university, the classes, the professors, the, the new buildings, everything around here that makes them want to stay. And we've been able to really navigate through the transfer portal really well because of that. And that helps us win championships. So there's so many things around here outside of athletics that allow us to be successful. And the havoc, the support from the students. I mean, there there's nothing like it. And so, and, and where we're different is we're a part of this community. We're not the stars of this community. We're a part of it. So it's a great balance. It's really unique, but it's all of that other, all the other things outside of athletics that have helped us really be successful as a Division One program. Yeah, and and so that kind of leads into sort of not just GCU, but talking about the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I think two big things I think going on in college athletics. It seems as someone on the outside, just just a casual observer in athletics, is NIL 
and conference realignment. Those two things are 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 big. And I, I'm not going to put you on the spot or ask like what where Grand Canyon hat and any of that stuff to the extent you want to talk about a GCU specific sort of approach to those things is fine. But I'm just curious at a high level, how has how have those two things, NIL and conference realignment, changed the landscape and where are we headed from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this is where I, I was mentioning, I never thought that my legal background would be so critical. Like all of bill and transfer portal, they, they go hand in hand. And it really has been litigation driven. There's just a lot of lawsuits going on. And, and maybe we as a membership within the instability, instability membership, which is all of us, we're not in front of it and not staying in front of technology, social media, and all those things that impact the yeah. image and likeness. And so that's why we are maybe where we're at today. And that's just the opinion of myself. And I don't, of course, I don't speak for anyone else in the industry, but it has changed the landscape in that more tampering. There's always been tampering. There's probably more. And, you know, where NIL was meant to just give student athletes the opportunity to use their name, image, and likeness to earn money. Um, just like any other student, if you're a band member and, and uh, a guitar company wants to sponsor you, then you can, you could do that. Whereas before you couldn't do that if you were in athletics, even if it had nothing to do with athletics. But, you know, that was the intention, but it has really become more of a recruiting inducement. I mean, just in the industry, that's how it's used. And student athletes, they, in prospects, they do expect, they want to know what are, you know, what's their NIL opportunity if they go to your university. And so that's changed it quite a bit. You know, here at GCU, we try to do things the right way. We try to stay in front of the industry. At the same time, we're aware of what's happening in the industry. So, so it's changed quite a bit. Yeah. And, and I don't think NIL is being used the way it was intended, but I don't think there's a way of going back either. Yeah. The, you can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle, right? I mean, it's out there now. Right. You're, there's no going back. Yes. And, but there's positives to it too. There are, there are many, and including our student athletes, many very legitimate NIL deals. There's kids that are getting gear, free gear. Well, not free. It's, it's paid because they're working for it, but they're getting gear from companies that just from their social media posts. And it's, it's real NIL deals that any other st- student would have access to. And a lot of women's, some of the large kind of the big names in women's sports, your Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, they're getting legitimate NIL deals from companies. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what was meant to happen. And so I'm really happy for, for the student athletes that are really, and there are a lot of them. And that's the thing. I shouldn't be, I, I, I don't want to be negative about NIL because there are legitimate deals that are going on that student athletes should have been able to get that they're getting. Yeah. So, so yeah, but it has changed the industry. And then the other piece, conference realignment. Like if I look it up today, I mean, there's news every day, right? I mean, the the w- what's going to happen with the Pac? I I won't put you on the spot, but Pac the Pac twelve, the Pac two. I Pac-2. mean, what what where does this all lead? What's what's a big picture? People that I have ca- casual conversations wonder what this means for student athletes in terms of flying across the country now because there doesn't seem to be any sort of geographic sense to any of this. So, what what's your opinion on that? Yeah, so it's it it seems like it's it's a new thing coming out of nowhere, especially with what has happened to a conference that I grew up loving and, and watching. Uh, but these conversations have been going on since I was a compliance coordinator at Duke. We've always heard about these seismic shifts that were going to happen when TV deals were up. So really what's happening is what we predicted would happen. I didn't know who was going to go where. I don't think anyone has, but I didn't expect some of the the, the very really across the country movements that I, that we're seeing, I did think there would be a little bit more of a footprint and it is, it's, it's TV driven, it's market driven and probably predictable. I just didn't, I guess I wouldn't have predicted it would have been so far across the country. And that does impact student athletes. The, the sports that charter everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're fine. And, and here's the thing. Yeah. It's ball driven. It's 80% football truth. But how many football, college football games are played each week? One. One. Right? It's, it's yep. different from soccer where you're playing on a Thursday, Sunday, and you might have to travel across country. Um, yep. Baseball program. So it's, I understand that there, there's a, there's a business side to it. I do think, I do think most schools and most conferences are trying to make it as regional, even with the split 
the split footprints are trying to make it as regional as possible. And I do think as, as much as bad, I would say negative, I guess PR that the NCAA as a, as a whole, we as a membership are getting, we are all incredibly committed to student athlete experience. But we do also have to have revenue coming in so that we can support the student athlete experience. So I think as, as much as it does impact the student athlete experience, I think all of us are doing our best to make sure that there's as little impact as possible, that we can give our student athletes the best possible experience. We still have to make sure that it can get paid for. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. But I do have faith in the institution of college athletics because there's nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like it. And people want to call student athletes employees and things like that. But if someone performs not well, we're still going to be their first student athletes. It's not a yeah. job. If, if I don't, if you don't perform well, you get fired, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. Let me try to weave this together because I, I don't want to, I don't want to get off the podcast here as we're coming towards the end without saying a couple of things. So I want to talk about Brian Mueller's leadership and what it's like working within something like that. And I want to point out something too, that you are, and this is from your bio. So this, I don't know if the numbers are still correct, but you're only one of four Asian American athletic directors mm-hmm. out of 353 programs in the country. And also only 14% of athletic directors are female. So just talk about that a little bit in terms of the landscape of college athletics and the progressive, I guess, maybe that's a bad word. I don't know. But the the forward thinking approach that Grand Canyon has and under Brian Mueller's leadership and what that's like working in that environment. Well, President Mueller access, I think 50 percent of his executives, his vice president level at GCU, I think almost half or maybe more than half are women. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them that that's the secret to his success. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing that yes, I, it is. I really appreciate about him. When he hired me for this job, he was very clear and he made it publicly in, in, in the press conference that he hired me based on my performance and performance only. And I really, really appreciate that. Growing up, I never thought of myself as I never, or even going through my career, I never thought of myself as the female administrator or the Asian administrator or any of that. And I think that helped me in my career because I never, there was never any negatives. It was just me trying to work as hard as I could to serve as many as I could and be as helpful as I could. But once I stepped into the chair, I did realize how it is, how important it is for others to see me in this position. I have, I still get emails and just notes of, I, I tell my grand, my granddaughter about her at you. I told, I show her your story. I told her that women can do this I just ran into a friend, actually a, an attorney friend from law school who the other day I hadn't seen him forever. And she said, Hey, I tell my sons about you because I want them to know that women can work in sports. So there, I never thought about it, but I understand how important the representation of, of me being one of the few females, me being one of the very few Asians in this chair. I understand how important it is really to just to those who are aspiring and similarly similar who are aspiring to be in this role. And, you know, again, I really appreciate that, you know, it has never been something that President Mueller has focused on. It has always been about, you know, my ability and my results. And I, I say 100%. my, it's, a yeah. team, it's team results, it's not mine. But yeah, and a hundred percent, it's, <laughs> it's, there's no doubt. Like I say, you, you, you are the best person for this job. I mean, it's, you are the perfect fit for Grand Canyon and for the leadership team there and the way that it the way that GCU just approaches things and everything you you have achieved in your career is very well deserved. There's no doubt about it. I appreciate that. A lot of support. <laughs> a lot of support, a lot of good people. That's the thing is GCU, this work culture, we attract good people. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so one other person who you work closely with, I think he was on campus this week, but talk about the relationship with Jerry Colangelo and the university as well. So Mr. Colangelo, I grew up admiring him. I just told him the other day, I remember walking by him when I was at the Suns game, like I was nine years old and walked right by him. And he said, did you say hi? I'm like, no, I did not. Just <laughs> had a look. Yeah, a look of very serious focus with while the Suns game was going on. Anyways, it's really been, sometimes I sit in my meetings. I have a lot of meetings with President Mueller and Mr. Colangelo. And sometimes I sit back and go, I cannot believe I am this I have this opportunity. I'm this fortunate 
to sit with two of the most transformational minds in our industry, with President Mueller being transformational higher ed and, and Mr. Colangelo with what he's done with not just the sports industry, but with Phoenix. And it's just listening to his, how he thinks, how he strategizes, how he deals with people and handles people, the, the relationships that he's built and the loyalty that has been around him. I just learned so much from just being around him. But, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons I am so thankful for GCU is I am never the smartest person in the room and I love it. I'm never the smartest. I'm never the most creative. I'm never the biggest team player. Never the most collaborative, never the most Christ-centered because you are just surrounded by incredible people and Mr. Clangel being one of them. So he's great. He has been so helpful to us in transitioning and giving us a, a guidance on strategy and, and just involvement with our athletics program. So yeah, we've been really fortunate. Yeah, you're, you're downplaying your, yourself again. <laughs> uh, you're a huge part of the team. You're a huge, huge part of the success. And so it's... What you what you have done at Grand Canyon is is really impressive. Something that I think we're all proud of, and you should be very proud of what you've accomplished there. I know that you are, but yeah, you keep downplaying your your role in this, but you're a big part of the success. Okay, so I think we're coming up on time. I'm going to leave with a couple of quick questions on what you think GCU is going to do for the rest of the season. We're in the middle of of some sports having their seasons right now, looking towards postseason. I think the ones that everybody cares about is is basketball. Men's and women's basketball are a big deal on GCU's campus. What 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 is what do things look like for for basketball at GCU for this upcoming season? I think it's going to be an exciting year. Um, for the first time, both our men's and women's basketball programs were picked preseason number one in the coaches' poll. The I mentioned before about the transfer portal. Uh, the transfer portal has been good to us. We have a lot of student athletes that have heard of us or had been here or played here and they know what we're about and so our rosters look deep they look very athletic and I think I think the recognition from the coaches poll tells you the respect that there is for our programs our schedules this year look really good on the men's basketball side we it's it's our toughest schedule we've ever had from a RPI or net standpoint we've got San Diego State coming in they're a top 20 program top 25 program We've got, we're in a couple of MTEs where we'll have some really good competition, multi-team events. They'll have really good competition. And the WAC, the, the other thing is this, the WAC looks strong. We, yeah. We've been in that top 15 among conferences. So it's going to be a really fun season. I'm I'm excited to see us play an actual game. We're, gosh, it's a week away. A week away. <laughs> I know. Sorry, to, it's yep. basketball. Here we go. I mean, the NBA season kicked off last night. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I'm also really excited to see the Havocs. The community here is stronger than ever. The kids are more excited than ever. And uh, there's just a lot of buzz and excitement around the campus. So it's going to be a great season. Women's basketball has Oregon coming in. Some really good, I think one of their strongest schedules as well. But Molly and her energy and her her defense, exciting defensive play. It's it's going to be good. We're all excited about basketball season. And then first spring season will be our our some two are really strong sports in softball and baseball and they're excited yep. for the rosters so what so to point out to well so first of all for basketball I, my, I don't know how many games we have this year maybe 35 is that 27 in an empty or 27 or 29 i get them confused maybe it's 29 in mte so i i'm i i, I predict we go 34 and 2 <laughs> i think i think we end up in the final four in phoenix final four in phoenix it's October 26th. Play it now in the final four. When GCU is in the final four in Phoenix, you can say that I called it. And you'll have proof of it. And I got proof of it. Now it's on, on record. And so, and then baseball, also big. Jacob Wilson was the sixth pick in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft. Shortstop from Grand Canyon University. What's life like look for baseball post the Jason Jacob Wilson era? We look good. Coach Wallace, he is a known recruiter. He did a good job recruiting. Obviously, Jacob is, is it's hard to replace a, a top 10 draft pick, but I think Emilio, I think Emilio is going to be the starting shortstop to it. Don't quote me on that, but we've got some talent on this team. Oh. It's, it's, it's also a deep team. We've got some big hitters on this team and our kids that had a really, really strong showing in the Cape Cod. So I know Zach York incredible hitter 
That man is a power hitter. <laughs> so yep. I expect to see some home runs from him. And he's a big time player in future, also a future draft pick. And our pitcher is Danny Vitia. He's also projected a future and will be draft pick as well. He, he continues to look really good. And we've got some two, two pitchers, I think that, that are, that are going to be one of them. Rant Richardson, he came out of the Cape and, and did really well in the Cape. And then we've got a new freshman that we'll see. I think he might be able to start. <laughs> nice. Starter. So we've got some big arms, big bats. Um, and, and to point out too, with, with the Avidias, Daniel and David, both two amazing success stories. I mean, grew up in the shadows of Grand Canyon University on the west side of Phoenix and two great kids. Amazing stories. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. Okay. Here's my last question for you. Okay. And you'll have survived this whole little experiment. What do we do first? Is it what what comes first? Is it the final four or Omaha? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. It could be either. <laughs> throw another one in there. I'm throwing softball. Yeah. What it went to Oklahoma City? Yeah, well, I think it is in Oklahoma. Is it I don't even remember. I thought it was in the same spot every I year, but maybe every not. Year. I don't know why <laughs> I don't watch it every year. But no, we beat we beat UCLA. Last year, first team to win a postseason, a post an NCAA tournament game. So well, here, here's what I'll tell you. Here's the answer. It's going to be Final Four first because the Final Four happens before Omaha. Good call. So we're going to be in the Final Four in Phoenix, and then we're going to be in Omaha in June. That's my 2024. That's that's a that was smart. Very smart. Good answer. <laughs> Thank you. The Brian Ross, I, I miss. Smart <laughs> All right, I'm going to wrap it up. We'll, I think we survived it without any major gaps, hopefully. So any final parting comments you want to make? No, I'm just honored to be your first podcast guest. Uh, Thank you. It's like old times and look forward to listening to it. A lot of fun. So thank you, Jamie, very much. Appreciate it. This is a little nerve wracking for me and I appreciate you being here. And thank you to our sponsor, Array making this uh, possible and uh, please tune in for future episodes thank you all for listening